Welcome to the weekly podcast of East Point Church of God. Pastor Larry Sterling, we invite you to join us in a service soon. We're located at 379 Avenue A, East Point, Florida. Our service times are 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. on Sundays and 7 p.m. on Wednesdays. We pray that this week's message inspires you to shine the light of Christ to those around you. John loves sevens. He loves sevens. You'll see it in that little note I gave you, a resource that you can look it up. But God has inspired John, and John sees seven everywhere. And seven reminds us of completeness. Seven reminds us of, of the, the, the gloriousness of God. Seven, seven there are in Revelation, all you got to do is turn over there, and there's seven things of everything over on that side. Seven spirits of God, seven trumpets, seven seals, seven, uh, I mean, seven, uh, seven uh, where well, I lost my track, seals, trumpets, and bowls. We've got all kinds of sevens in the book of Revelation. And in the gospel of John, there are a series of sevens as well. And so as you, as you go through this, this sevens, this seven titles that we're going to see that John shows about Jesus from chapter 1 verse 29 through 51 is going to set up the entire book is going to be based on these seven titles that John gave Jesus uh, at the beginning of his gospel. And we're going to cover them tonight. The Bible, so verse 29, John 1, 29, the Bible says, The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him, and John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So the first sign, the first rather title that, that John uh, gives Jesus is the title Lamb of God. The first title that you that you and I come to Jesus under is Lamb of God. If you don't start with Jesus being the Lamb, you're not going to like how it ends. Because right now, he's your lamb. That means he's your sacrifice. That means he's your payment. That means he's your redeemer. That means he's your hope. That means he's, he's what's going to pay. His blood is going to be shed for you. So if you won't accept him as a lamb, you're not going to get very far down these titles. Lamb of God is critical because the lamb is representative of the Old Testament mindset of sacrifice. The lamb paid the price for the people's sin. It covered their sin. It, it wiped away their sin. And so the lamb of God is, is something that is, is a mind that is there. You'll see it all through John's writing, all the way in Revelation. He talks about him, Jesus, being the lamb slain from the foundation of the earth. Jesus is the Lamb of God. That means he is the one that has been bought and paid for your salvation. So if you want to come to Jesus and have a relationship with Christ, the first thing you need to do is be born again. The first thing you need to do is be born again. The first thing you need to do is be introduced to the Lamb, to come up to the altar, to allow Him to wash you, to allow Him to clean you, to allow Him to make you a new creation, to be born again. That is the first step in this process, the Lamb of God. So we're going to see in the Gospel of John ways that Jesus is the Lamb of God. 
Now, as we go on, the next title that John gives us is John chapter 1, verse 34, the Son of God. The Son of God. Skip down again to verse 34. And this is, uh, this is John the Baptist. And I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. Now, so the, understand the process of this. We start with the Lamb of God. Salvation begins at that moment. But you've got to understand who you're talking to. You know, this, he is the son of God. He's not just any old lamb. He's not just any old perfect, white, beautiful, spotless lamb that you find in a field somewhere. This is the very son of God that is paying the price for your sin. This is God Almighty. This is the wonder. This is the glorious one. This is the one that is the word that we talked about earlier. This is the one that made everything. This was wisdom that we saw in Proverbs 8. This is the one that breathed in us in Genesis chapter 2. This is the one that, that, that scooped out the oceans with his hand. This is the one that called out light to come into existence. This is the one that walked with us in the cool of the day in Genesis three this is the one that has existed from time evermore he has always been and shall always be that's the definition of God this is the son of God so Jesus is isn't just a a lamb he isn't just a sacrifice this is significant this is magnificent. This goes beyond what you what, what, what you could imagine. This is the Son of God. The God that is beyond all that we could even imagine. The one that created time and space. and The one that created this universe that exists apart from the universe. That this universe could explode and go up and smoke tomorrow. And he still reigns. So this is Son of God. Far beyond what we could imagine. So the Lamb of God is also the Son of God. And we will see the Son of God on display throughout this book. The next title that he has given to us is Rabbi. Rabbi. John chapter 1, verse 38. Then Jesus turned... And seeing them following. Who was there following? It was John the Baptist's followers. And said to them, what do you seek? And they said to him, Rabbi, which is, trans, which is to say, when translated, teacher. And then they said, where are you staying? So, the title that John gives him, he says, not only is he Lamb of God and Son of God, but he's Rabbi, which is teacher. Now, this is significant because John wants you to see this title here. That means that when Jesus speaks in the near future, when we go through the gospel, you need to hear what he's saying. Not only what he does in Lamb of God and Son of God, or did, but also you need to hear what he's going to teach because he's really the teacher. There's no other teacher but him. There's no other, there's no other word but him. There's no, there's no, no one else has the words of eternal life but him. 
So what John is foreshadowing in this first chapter here is he's telling you not only these other two titles, but he's saying, Jesus, the words you're going to hear Jesus teach are some of the most important words you're going to have in your entire life. If you don't accept, and you not only have to accept him as Lamb of God and you have to accept him as Son of God, you also have to do what he says. He'll tell you later in John chapter 14, if you love me, you keep my commandments. So there's a process of, of understanding that he's the teacher, the rabbi that's going to give you. Now, this pulls into this aspect of wisdom that he has. If you do what he says, it's the best thing for you. If you don't do what he says, it's the worst thing for you. If you ignore his teaching, then it's not going to end well. You know, I think every society has this trouble. So I don't, I don't mean to pick on us in, our, in this surrounding, but I noticed it a lot when I, since I've moved here. And one of the most famous things I see around here is ask for forgiveness rather than permission. Yeah. Listen, that's not going to end well. You hear me? Don't, don't do that. Don't do that with the Lamb of God and the Son of God and Rabbi. Don't, don't violate his commandments and then ask for forgiveness. You see, what happens is whether he forgives you or not, that's up to him. But the reality is, is that by violating that, you violated wisdom. And by violating wisdom, you are setting yourself up and putting yourself in a predicament that is going to cause you pain whether you want to or not. Because what you are doing is you are saying that what you said, Jesus, I don't agree with or I don't want to do. And so what happens is when you act like that, and we're all guilty, every single one of us, don't, don't even try to turn and look at somebody else. From the preacher all the way down to the lowest kid, the youngest kid, oh, not the lowest kid, but the youngest kid in the entire church has done this. So we're all guilty, we're all sinners, so don't, 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 don't be crazy. But the point is, the point is, is that whenever we walk down the road of violating wisdom, we create more problems than we think we're solving by doing so. When you think that that, you, that you, you're going to do this to save this situation. The problem is that sometimes what we call unintended consequences, I didn't see that coming, that type of thing. You know, let me give you a humorous example. At the fall festival, they were taking down the lights. Somebody said, just pull down the branch and pull the lights off. Well, unintended consequences, that branch is rotten. The pastor got whacked in the head by a tree branch. Scraped my face all up. It's terrible. People making fun of me the way I look. I dewit cut the tree down. It's not out there anymore, y'all. It's dead. Yeah, it's cursed, right? Thing's gone. Nah. The point, the point is, I didn't see that coming. Or I would have said, hey, wait a minute, it's not a good idea to pull that branch. Unintended consequences is when we violate wisdom of God, we are setting ourselves up for things we didn't see coming. 
next Messiah. John chapter 1, verse 41. What time is it? Well, I got plenty of time. John chapter 1, verse 41. And he, the Bible says, he first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. Now, this, this is a title. This is something. And in Hebrew, it means anointed one. So in this particular instance, we call Jesus the Christ or Jesus Christ. But in, in reality, it's saying Jesus the anointed one. Okay. And so there is a level of, of wonder that comes with this title that I think we, we, we don't grasp it. Because if you go back in the Old Testament, you'll find a guy named Saul from the tribe of Benjamin. He was the first king. He was what Samuel did. It was anointed him as king. And then you see David. And then David was anointed as king. And then we really don't see, for the most part, that process continuing until we get to this point right here in John where this is one that is anointed. And this word is loaded because anointed for what? Well, the implication is a, a title here in a moment. That he's king. And he's here to fulfill something. He is, he's been chosen. He has a spirit of God. He has the authority. He has it all. His kingdom is not of this world. He is Messiah. And so there's, there's no one that is even close to him. There's no one that is even even can even claim this title no one has the right to it because once it was given to him he never put it down you know some people they'll have a title and they'll give it up to do something or another jesus never turns this one down messiah means he's anointed it goes beyond just being savior it goes beyond just being the one that paid for your sin this is somebody that has been be, been selected by the father to to complete a task on the world for this world as he says in the gospel of matthew chapter 28 that all authority has been given to me that means i don't have authority and you don't have authority the anointed one does Messiah, and everything is his. I, don't, I can't do anything outside of his purview. If he says no, the answer is no. If he says yes, the answer is yes. He's the anointed one. He's the one we've been looking for. He's the one that we've been anticipating. The Israel was the Israel in the Old Testament was anticipating the emergence of Messiah, the anointed one, the one that was going to come and, and take over, the one that was going to grab authority, the one that's going to be glorious. Now, you can literally 
argue, and I know certain very reputable scholars that do, that you could really translate this king because Messiah involves a kingdom, that he is king, even though that's not necessarily the translation of it. There's the clear implication that he's in control. And so when you see this, he's Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. Now, John 1.45, interesting title that it's pointed out. The Bible says, Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote. So he's talking about Messiah. And he says, then he gives him his name. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. You know, what's interesting here is that John wants you to see not only is he not only is he Messiah, not only he's the anointed one in that aspect, not only is he rabbi, not only is he the son of God, not only, not only is he the lamb of God, not only is he word and made flesh and tabernacled amongst us or dwelled among us, not only all is John the gospel, John the gospel writer, John, wants you to see that he was here in this world. He lived in a little dusty town called Nazareth. This means he was human, like you and me. He's from a place called Nazareth. And what's interesting is that the response is, nothing good comes out of Nazareth. Listen, I'm a candidate for an area. You know you're in good shape. If somebody says, well, nothing good can come from there, hot dog. That means Jesus is going to do something. There ain't nothing good come out of them. Hot dog. That means I'm a candidate for the miraculous. That means that God who can do all things and, and control all things, don't tell him he can't do something. Don't tell him he can't rescue this county from drugs. Don't tell him that he can't save your daughter and save your son. Don't tell him that he can't do these things because if you say it's impossible, he may do it just to show you you're wrong. That he's God. So Jesus of Nazareth, he's a real person, lived just like you and I. You'll, you'll see this real person on display as he's hungry. You'll see this real person on display in John 11 where he weeps at the tomb of his friend. The implication here, it, it may have been his best friend. We don't know. They could be grow, buddies growing up. We don't know the significance of it, but we know that he cared about him so much that when he died, I mean, he's getting ready to raise the guy from the dead, and he still was hurt. He's human. He's Jesus of Nazareth. The wonder of wonders. The next title, John 149. Nathaniel answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Nathaniel's getting all fancy here. He uses three titles in one sentence. Rabbi, son of God, king of Israel. 
But as king of Israel, he is clearly tying this into Messiah. He's telling, 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 John is telling the world here. This is the king they've been waiting for. And so if you pretend like you've never read John before, like this is your first time reading it, you're thinking, okay, all right, at some point we're going to have a coronation here. At some point, we're going to have a story about a guy that came from a town that no one likes, that nothing good can come from there, and we're going to have a story about a guy that's going to be crowned king. And we kind of do, but not in the way you expect. We have a guy that's going to be crowned king because somebody made a crown of thorns and put it on his head. You're going to have a guy that is going to be the anointed one. You see, this is why he said, you can't carry the burden I'm called to carry. I'm anointed to carry your burden. I'm anointed to carry your sin. I'm anointed to carry your sorrow. I'm anointed to carry all of your pain and your, and your disease. I'm anointed to carry these things. And this is why he's the only one that could do it. But he's still king. In fact, Matthew chapter 1 makes it clear that if it were laid out properly, he has rights to the real throne. If there was, a, because he is directly from David. He could claim the throne. That's what the point of Matthew chapter 1 is about, the genealogy. He could literally claim the throne of, of all of this. And now you see, no, you see, this goes back to him being a son of Joseph. He, that means his father is in the lineage of those that are of the kingly dynasty. That means that he he's traces his lineage as a son of David. He is a real guy that traces his lineage all the way back there. And so Nathaniel says, hold on a second. You are a teacher. You are, but you are also the son of God. And, and also you are king. There's something special about this guy. There's something special about this man. King of Israel. And then lastly tonight, the only one that we see Jesus saying here in the first chapter, John chapter 1, verse 51, and he said to him, Jesus said to him, most assuredly I say to you, hereafter you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending Upon the Son of Man. Now there's a couple of things real fast I want to give you and we're done. Number one, Nathaniel, he is responding to Nathaniel saying, Jesus, you are a rabbi, son of God, king of Israel. And Jesus looks at him and, and answers, I saw you under the fig tree. And, he's, and Jesus answered and said, because I, I said to you, I saw you under a fig tree. Do you believe you will see greater things than these? Most assuredly, I say to you, hereafter you shall see heaven open. So basically, Nathaniel calls him rabbi, son of God, and king of Israel. Here's what you need to grasp in your spirit, what John is telling you. If you want to see heaven open, you got to obey his teaching, rabbi. you got to believe that he's the son of God. 
Number two. And you also, number three, have to recognize him. As, as heaven open, you have to recognize him as king of kings and lord of lords. If you Let me say that again, okay? That may have went over your head because it went over my head. Nathaniel recognized Jesus. He calls him rabbi. He calls him son of God. And he calls him king. If you want to have heaven open over your house, over your life, if you want heaven's blessings over you, you've got to obey his teachings, rabbi. You've got to come to him as the son of God and recognize that what that means and how that the power that he has. And you have to recognize him as king. He has control over all of your life. That's powerful truth here. If you want to see this, you can have heaven open. You can see God moving. You can see the hand of God. Now, you may not see physical angels coming around, but you can see the hand of God in somebody's life. You can recognize when God's on somebody, and you won't. You can. Yeah, let me put it like this. Some of you know when God's moving and when somebody's fake. Some of you know when the Spirit of the Lord is really moving and somebody's putting on a show. Why? You're seeing the hand of God. You're seeing heaven open. And you know what heaven feels like. And you know what the spirit of God feels like when the house is moving. And you also know what it looks like when somebody's trying to put on a show. Your spirit clenches up. Your, your body says, oh, this isn't right. Why? Because somewhere they violated a rabbi. Somewhere they violated king. Somewhere they're not recognizing him, some of God. They're trying to get him to be something that he's not. But I'm telling you, if all three of those are an open, uh, an open heaven shows up in this church, if you live his teachings if you bow your knee to the son of God and you let him be king over your life I'm telling you we'll have church where heaven opens up every time you come into this room because Jesus Christ will be glorified and magnified in this place that's the power of this moment here so he he tells us and then Jesus finishes this and this is critical As he says, I am the son of man, in a very way of saying this. He's talking about himself. The son of man. Now, this is Jesus' favorite title to refer to himself. He loves talking about being son of man. And son of man refers back to Daniel. Back to the wisdom and refers back to Daniel in that moment of the Son of Man being there from the foundation of the world. And Jesus, he's not just saying he's human, he's just saying he's saying something powerful here. I am the Son of Man. I have came into this world and I am going to redeem this world. I'm going to redeem these people around. Sister, if you go ahead. Son of man. There's more, way more, more to the son of man. Remember I told you a while back the, there's a man of God and there's a son of man. 
We have, we have many men and women of God, but we only have one son of man. You see, there's, we as people of God, men and women of God, we can stand before God and be in turn like Moses and be the man of God to the people. We can say, okay, this is what the Lord says. But there's only one that can stand before God and not die in his presence as a son of us. Say, God, will you bring us home? Son of man. Jesus, only one unique son of man. Only one that can stand before the Father. So bring our children home. Bring the children home. To the one son of man. I mean, we are, we, we can function in that role. I mean, we can, as Jesus allows us to, we can stand before God and plead to God for our unsaved loved ones. We can beseech the Lord on behalf of somebody. But whose name are we going to? We're not going to the Father in our name. We're not going to the Father with our credentials and we're not going to the Father with our power we're not going to the Father with what we've done when we stand before God and function like a son of man or daughter of man we're calling it out in the name of Jesus because we are when you say Lord in the name of Jesus I ask what have you just done you are asking as a son of man you're pleading to God on behalf of someone else. And by saying in the name of Jesus, you are humbling yourself before the Father. And you're saying, I don't have the right to be here. But the Son of Man who's already been before me, who's already walked this path, who's already opened up heaven, who's already made the way for me, I come to you in his name. I ask that his name be glorified over this life, over this situation, over this house. I ask him. I intercede for my children. I intercede for my grandchildren. I ask you, oh Lord. But you're doing it in the name of Jesus. All these titles are Jesus. All these. They represent the completeness of the magnificence of Christ in just this one setting. Thank you for listening to the weekly podcast of East Point Church of God and Pastor Larry Sterling. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.